wind, theft, or tornado, we can help. Call 405-735-5510. It's time for The Rush with OU color analyst Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. Got a question or opinion? Sound off on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line at 405-651-3439 or call the Riverwind Casino call-in line at 405-329-9000. Live from the Buffalo Wild Wings studios, it's The Rush with Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. With the uncertainty of how long Texas and Oklahoma are going to be in the Big 12, right now they're obviously contractually obligated to be there for two years before they join the SEC. Obviously, you hear lots of rumblings that there may be an early buyout. We don't know any of that stuff, but let's just say for the sake of argument that maybe this is the only year that you're going to have an opportunity to face Texas and Oklahoma. That makes these games even more important. Sure, especially when you consider that against Texas and Oklahoma and one of the stranger stats that BYU football is currently enjoying, you're a combined 6-1 and one against the Longhorns and Sooners. 4-1 <laughs> and one against Texas and 2-0 and all against the Sooners. The numbers don't lie. Bring them on, right? Oh, bring them on, they say. Bring them on. All right, it's fine. That was from earlier this year. But BYU's 2-0 all-time against OU. Got to change that. Got to change that. Yeah, that's an interesting stat. You know, I, there's probably not very many programs out there that hold uh, an edge over us in win-loss period. But to be 2-0 is pretty impressive. Is Ole Miss maybe one of the other few teams? Is that, that right? Yeah, that's right. Because of the 99 or the, uh, yeah, well, the 99 Independence Bowl. Not, not a lot of teams that OU's never beaten before. BYU, one of the few, so. Let's let's change that tomorrow. And man, this was the road game like this year with the new teams coming in. This is the road game I wanted, and I think a road game that a lot of people wanted. Yeah. UCF going to Orlando. <laughs> no thanks. Going to Houston. Ah, good. Kind of did that in 2016, right? Yeah. But sounds like the Cincinnati trip was pretty fun. Awesome student section there. But for the scenery that you're going to see tomorrow, and we're going to run into great weather, which at this time of the year, you just never know what you're going to get out here. This was the road trip that you wanted this year, and it's 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 going to be cool, man. Well, I've never been to Utah, Same. and I, I've, I've been invited and would like to go to Park City at some point, but it uh, just hasn't happened. So an opportunity to come out here, see something new. Been to Houston a bunch. Uh, I've been to... Uh, Orlando too much. Don't ever want to go back. Fifty dollar burgers there. But uh, yeah, it just the timing was awesome, and I know it's probably frustrating for BYU fans to not have the ability to make the return trip to Oklahoma. Uh, but to be able to host, even though it's a one and done, is uh, is pretty cool. And I'm glad. You know, I I do think, even though we're leaving OU and Texas are leaving the Big Twelve, I think the setup that the conference has is going to be excellent. I think it's going to be super competitive. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, it's already a lot of fun right now. You look at how competitive it is at the top. You know, we're talking about tie-break scenarios between a bunch of different teams, and we got two games left. I mean, ultimately, that's what you want in a conference is a good, tough uh, games week in, week out where, you know, you can't just look at it and know what, what's going to happen. I think Utah's got a really good chance to do some nice things in the Big 12. And you and I talked about it yesterday, and, and you're seeing it now for the first time. I always knew that Utah was in Salt Lake, 
Yeah. I didn't know how centrally located downtown their stadium was. I guess yeah. I never really thought about it. Maybe I thought it would be on the outskirts of the city. Maybe the campus kind of had its own spot, but it is right there downtown, man. It looks awesome, man. you got a major airport 10 minutes away, the other side of town. I know yeah. that Utah doesn't always, or really hardly ever, recruit the top 10, but they're they're in a good spot to get players. They really are. Uh, you got quick, easy access from, I mean, if if you're in, I mean, just think about it. If you're in the Dallas Metro as a kid, it's more difficult to get to most of the schools in the Big 12 than it is to get to Utah. You know, yeah, there's, seriously. There's probably a direct flight into Utah, into Salt Lake City from Dallas, every 15 minutes you know so i that has to be a huge huge advantage for them same thing with houston same thing with all of your west coast your big cities so it's actually uh the location it's underrated job man it's what it is oh man it's it's much better than a nebraska or an iowa state or a kansas state I mean, think about how much more difficult it is to get to Kansas State than it will be Dude, to get to Utah. I've uh, I did the Kansas City to Manhattan drive, which that's the nearest major city or with yeah. the major. It was like a, I swear it was a two-hour drive from Kansas City all the way over to Manhattan. It's it's really tough to get to, man. Stillwater's not that easy to get to either. No, there's just some. Some towns just kind of out there on its own, yeah. and Salt Lake is, or uh, Utah is, is not. Man. Yeah, they're, they're in some random places, and you wouldn't think, like, the way Utah plays, you would think, like, a Kansas State or an Iowa State, and it's true. There's a lot of similarities there, but the difference is they're in a major metropolitan area and have some massive recruiting advantages over those schools. I, I didn't know what to expect out here, but we landed in Salt Lake. And then drove, it's like uh, 40 miles, not 40 yeah. minutes. It's like 40 miles to Provo, all metro. All really? metro. So huh. it's not like Salt Lake and you're just driving. Like through the mountains. And there's just barren waste. It's not like driving from Phoenix to Tucson where there's just nothing out there. It is all metro from huh. here to there. So much so, it took us an hour and a half to drive. 40 miles because the traffic was oh. so bad uh, during rush hour last night. So it's, it's just a very it's a unique place. And we'll be rooting for Utah at least. I, I, I think we'll be rooting for Utah. We've been rooting for them while they've been kicking USC's ass over yeah. the past couple of years. You know, interesting little factoid. I don't know that anyone cares, but we flew into Salt Lake City. But after the game, we are flying out of Provo. So Okay. That was. I thought that was yeah, interesting. That is interesting. Nine one eight says an airport ten minutes away. Lincoln Riley would take that job. <laughs> he may uh, have half the jobs in college football by the time it's all said. Now done. they. What's the uh, what's the theory on the USC UCLA this weekend? The theory is that Chip Kelly um, is going to get let go after the game, and USC is going to win a close game and move to what uh, eight and four on the year. Eight and four. Really, I. That's interesting. I I think it's going to be a tight game. Yeah, a close game. I can't believe they're going to let Chip Kelly go. I, what's their uh, – that's that's interesting to me. I guess they, maybe they've got something better in mind. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't – they may think they do. And not that Chip Kelly's some top ten coach, but he got a five-star quarterback out there He's, this past recruiting cycle. So, okay. That's like a – that is not an easy job to win at. I mean – 
has anyone won at UCLA ever? Not. I mean, and I don't think consistently. He's turned them into a top twenty-five program. I mean, that's that's something. That's more than more than they've been recently. So I don't know. Big J in Tulsa says going way back, but I'm more upset that BYU took our national championship away from us in the Ty Detmer year. They were undefeated against ranked number twenty and won the Holiday Bowl against nobody. Back before the BCS era. Yeah, then they beat like a 6-7 win Michigan in that uh, so, 1984 Holiday Bowl. Was it like that, that far? It was that long ago? It was, it was 84, yeah. It was 84. Why did they Ty Detmer was in the 90s? Huh. Okay. He threw for like 20,000 yards as a quarterback. It was crazy. I don't know. I, I can't remember if he was the quarterback for BYU uh, in 84, okay. but that's the, that's yeah. the 84 year. That's um, what they're talking about with the championship? Yeah. Patrick says, did you go find the Barry Switzer sewage treatment plant? I No, I did not. So That's funny. I saw that uh, on Twitter. I didn't spend much time looking into it's it, but I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, it's from that 1984. <laughs> Barry, nice. by God, Switzer telling the truth, saying that their schedule was crap and didn't uh, deserve to win the uh, the 84 title. Nice. Um, let's say Dylan Gabriel has a great day tomorrow, great day against TCU, which, by the way, in exactly one week, the regular season's going to be over, I know. which is crazy. That's funny. Seven day, we got seven days of football left. Um, Gabriel got any chance to rebound and make it to New York City? Just to no. make it there? No chance no. at all? No. No. I don't think so. I could be wrong on that, but I think uh, I, I honestly think it's Bo Nix. I think Bo Nix is going to win it. Yeah. Um, Michael Penix could have two losses, and maybe that. Like, Jaden Daniels is going to be there. Yeah. Like, I really started looking into the numbers that Jaden Daniels has at LSU, Impressive. and he's probably not going to win it unless chaos, chaos happens, but it's it's insane. And then Marvin Harrison Jr. or um, – Have you seen Bo Nix's numbers? Yeah. He's stupid. completing like 77% of his passes – has like 29 touchdowns to two interceptions. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, I, it, it's the, the only way, the only way that Dylan Gabriel gets there, in my opinion, is if some interesting things happen, like uh, Michael Penix loses tomorrow at Oregon State, right? right? Yeah. Maybe a Jaden Daniels loses to Texas A&M, though I don't think that's going to happen. But Dylan Gabriel can't get there unless OU's winning a Big 12 championship this year. Not and at, they may have to beat Texas for him to stand a chance, even yeah, that. Not at Oklahoma. You can't. You can't win it at Oklahoma with two losses, I don't think. You know, you can win it at a... At Louisville, you can win it. Lamar yeah. Jackson did it. You can do it at some schools whenever you haven't had... Johnny a, Manziel did it. A, 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 ...a real winning tradition. You're not a, a one- or two-loss team every year. I, the result of your of your schedule has to be better than what it is without you, right? It can't be the exact same. So, I, I think it's going to be really tough for Dylan Gabriel. But I think that he can post two really nice games and have a awesome statistical season. And I'm I'm fascinated by all of the talk about whether or not he's staying or going now. And the Jackson Arnold red shirt and. I, did things change somewhere along the line to where they decided that they're going to redshirt Arnold and that Dylan Gabriel may be staying? I don't think so. I think the only thing that changed is I, I think the thought before the year was, all right, this is Dylan Gabriel's last year. 
Jackson Arnold's our quarterback heading in the SEC. I felt like that was understood by all parties. I think what changed is, all right, well, this is his last year, but we're going to incorporate Jackson Arnold in the offense. He's a good player, and as we talked about multiple times in the offseason, there's a lot of incentive for him to get snaps before you go to the SEC, right? What was the best way to do that immediately with Dylan Gabriel playing so well out of the gate? Was to get him in some sort of a package. Well, that package went to crap pretty quick, right? Yeah. And you had to scrap that just because it wasn't successful. The fans hated it. It wasn't doing much. I think that their thought process, and they said in the beginning they didn't care about the red shirt, is to keep him in some sort of a package throughout the year. But it was so unsuccessful they had to scrap it, and it was hard to find ways to get him into the game consistently without putting him in a package like that. like, And I agree with what they're doing now. Why burn a red shirt if all you're going to do is throw him into a game late up by 40 points just to hand the ball off? Yeah. And even if you're throwing a few passes, that's not going to be the ultimate difference throwing late against West Virginia if you're ready for a road game at LSU or not. So I think it's just, well, it's late in the year. Here's where we're at. We might as well just redshirt him. But yeah. I truly believe if they're in a tough spot tomorrow or in a tough spot against TCU – He's still your backup quarterback. But he's not going to go in if all it is is just handing off late in the game. So you're saying I, that – Gabriel's leaving after this year, and Arnold's your quarterback. You're one of the SEC. Why do still you think believe that. Gabriel's leaving? Because I think that's been the plan all along. I think that it may be a good time. It may be a good year for him to go into the league. And I don't think that even if he were to come back – the draft stock for him is not going to change all that much. Right. What's it now? Third or fourth rounder, most likely. Yeah. Comes back and has another good year. It's going to be right around, right around the same. Dude, he's been he's been in college for a long time. Yeah. He's played a lot of college ball. My guess is that he's just at a point like, okay, I did at this level. Let's go try our luck in the NFL. Huh. Do you disagree with any of that? I, no, I don't disagree with any of it. I just don't understand the cryptic nature of it i don't understand why we haven't heard dylan gabriel say that this is his last year or why venables you know he just said that we haven't talked about it it's not on him to make that announcement you know what i'm saying i just it's I think Venables didn't say anything. He wants Dylan Gabriel to handle that his sure. way like he did last year is my guess. So but. has no one asked Dylan Gabriel? Um, not not since that question was asked at the press conference on Tuesday. You think he'll I'm get sure, that question? Yeah, after the game tomorrow. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Okay. Um, by the way, Hans is ready, so um, we'll talk to oh, him. Great. We'll talk to him in five minutes. Real quick, and I'm not saying yes or no to e- e- any of this, but Gabriel's numbers, by the way, what's he? 70% completion percentage this year. Yeah. 25 touchdowns, yeah. five interceptions. I, don't, I mean, a lot of rushing yards, over 3,000. 11 has, touchdowns. Has he, for all the touchdowns. crap he's taken, and real quick, has he exceeded expectations this year? Going to be first team All Big 12 quarterback, most likely. It is the damnedest situation I've ever seen in my life. Statistically, you compare him to the top quarterbacks in the country, and he is right there. He is by far clearly number one in the Big 12, and it ain't close. We have the number four scoring offense in the country, the number four total offense in the country, and 
it people are still I, I think most people have said that okay well he's he's good enough you know there were points where everyone was like he needs to be benched and we need to go to Jackson Arnold I think I think most people are clearly past that but I still don't know how happy the fan base is with him still mixed man or even with Levy and you got a number four scoring and total offense in the country I mean it's the weirdest dynamic I think I've ever seen, right? Yep. <laughs> it's, it's wild. Wild. Uh, the two losses don't help. You know, that's 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 the thing. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. we got Hands coming up next. He's going to tell us a little bit more about this BYU football team. Stay tuned. OEC Football Friday on the rush. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman at a great spot here in downtown Salt Lake. Sooner fans everywhere. Here at Poplar Street Pub, we're here until 5 p.m. The OU Club of Utah has got a party here from 7 to 9 p.m. More and more OU fans are going to be rolling in as the uh, night goes on. But what a turnout. What a turnout for OU fans as we're all excited about going to uh, Provo and uh, seeing that campus, seeing that stadium for the first time. So let's talk a little BYU here. I'm a big fan of this guy, Hans Olsen. He played at BYU. Uh, He does an awesome radio show here in Salt Lake at KSL Sports. He is the color radio analyst for BYU football as well. And, Hans, man, I I appreciate you doing this. You know, we, as a fan base, we're trained for 11 a.m. kicks. We're trained for early kicks. OU will play seven of those this year in the regular season. How is it from your side of things with a 10 a.m. local start time tomorrow? And has that taken away any of the excitement for BYU fans for tomorrow's game? Well, let me start with this. Awesome being on with Tyler and Teddy. This is fantastic. Uh, excited to be a part of the ref. That's fun, man. And I'm excited to see what Oklahoma brings to Utah County. This is going to be exciting. I, I can't wait to see what type of uh, fan base shows up here in Provo. It's been really fun going to the Big 12 venues and seeing the BYU fans pack in. There was even six or 7,000 that packed in at West Virginia a couple of wow. weeks, uh, weeks ago. So it's been fun just watching BYU fans show up. I can't wait to see how Oklahoma fans travel. I've got to imagine that they're going to pack in there. I saw a sellout and, you know, a sellout after a couple of pretty ugly losses or a few pretty ugly losses. That says a lot, but I think the environment's going to be raucous. I'm sad that this is a one-time deal. I wish that this was every year. And I can't wait to see how it goes tomorrow. We're all looking forward to it, and I think there is going to be a bunch of OU fans uh, that have made the trip. Tell us a little bit about this football team. It's been a tough year. There's been some injury stuff along the way. The schedule has been absolutely brutal for you guys, even though I feel like you, you, you had an, an advantage as, a, as an independent who's scheduled pretty difficult coming in. It's still been you know, one of those difficult years. How do you think they've uh, they've navigated it so far? Well, Teddy, I, let me just ask you, Teddy, like what, what's the, uh, I mean, is this, this is kind of typical Big 12, right? I mean, I, I've been shocked by how much they've struggled in opposing team venues. Is that just typical mm-hmm. with this conference? Well, you know, it, the conference is different than it was five or six years ago. I think the, the level across the board is much higher than it's been. There was a time whenever Oklahoma was the big dog and just went around beating everyone like crazy. But now everyone's pretty good, and the style of play has changed. It used to be 
quarterback driven, throw the ball all over the yard, no one really played defense, and that's not the case anymore. This is a uh, a run-heavy league that plays really good physical defense and physical play on both sides of the line of scrimmage. I mean, I think the league today is as competitive as it's been in over a decade. Well, it's been really intriguing watching it, and I thought that Iowa State coming into this stadium last week and putting a thump on BYU was a really nice feather in Iowa State cap. I thought that was a good win for them. And uh, BYU looked pretty rough in that game. I, I think it would be the same for Oklahoma. I still, you know, I played in this stadium, and I played in front of this fan base, and I know how difficult this place is to get a win. It's tough because there is nothing better in this world than playing for BYU fans, man. These people will love you to the end of the earth. And I do a daily show here, and I have to get honest with things at times. And, man, they come down hard on me as a former player. But even then, they kind of give me that leeway because of how true they are to the color. So they're pretty incredible fans. But, you know, there's some problems here. If BYU is going to be in this game, I think it's going to be through the passing game. And I don't know about you, Teddy and Tyler. I just watching film, it feels like you've got a pretty good front end, and it feels like there's space to be had in the back end. And, and so I look at BYU's receivers, and I'm thinking, all right, well, you got to get a couple guys healthy. Keanu Hill hasn't been on the field. Darius Lasseter hasn't been on the field. And that's hurt BYU. You hope that they can be on the field against Oklahoma. And then you hope that this Juco quarterback, Jake Retzloff, can, dis- can continue to distribute or can find some of that room and deliver to these guys inside that pressure point. I, I know that Oklahoma hasn't exactly... Uh, burn down the world with sacks, but guys, I see a lot of pressure. I don't see a yeah. lot of sacks, mm-hmm. but I see constant pressure, but I do find gaps in that backfield, and, you know, BYU's not going to run the ball. If they're going to win this thing, they're going to have to find it in the passing game, and, and I don't put a lot of chance on that. Well, I mean, you mentioned the, the quarterback position there. Is Keaton Slovis expected to play? And if he does, how much different or how much better is this BYU offense if Slovis is out there? I just don't think it's going to happen. Uh, the coaches made it really clear that if Slovis is going to play, he has to be 100%. They use the word 100%, and then they just use the word he's not 100%. He's practicing but not 100%. So I, I kind of feel like that tells us maybe something. Um, I also was listening to an interview with BYU's offensive coordinator yesterday, Aaron Roderick, and, and he said, you know, that Iowa State defense is really good, and what we need to do is give Jake Retzloff more time, more opportunity to play. So I think it's going to be Retzloff. I don't think that Slovis gives you any more chance to win, guys. I really don't. I, You know, he's, he's below 55% in completion. He's got too many turnovers too many interceptions um he just doesn't bring any type of run presence he's he sits in the pocket i do think that oklahoma pressure would become more than pressure and it would turn into sacks so i've just i, I have to believe that it's Retzloff's game and all they can do is hope that he comes out and games it up because this guy was a world-class juco player i mean he was responsible for 50 touchdowns in a single year and I know that it's that level, but he does. He's a he's a a son of a of a 
of two coaches, and he knows he knows what it means to game, and he knows what it, winning's about. And you just hope that he comes out and can kind of rediscover that at the Power Five level. I, I think you know one of the most interesting things to me over the off season was you know BYU has been known recently for having some really athletic quarterbacks that they used in the run game and uh, like really made teams pay with their legs. And then I saw the Slovis uh, transfer signing, and it just didn't seem to fit what the identity, or I guess of what I thought the identity has been of BYU's offense over the years was was that a surprise to you guys that they went with a more traditional pocket passer over more of a dual threat guy? Well, it, it was a shock to me, and, it, and that's a that's a great observation. That's why you're the best at what you do. A very good observation. I, I I still can't believe it. I really can't. I'm I'm old teammates with Aaron Roderick, the offensive coordinator out here, and and I think he's a brilliant quarterback coach, and he's got two quarterbacks. His last two quarterbacks. He actually had them both starting in a single week in the NFL until Jaron Hall got a concussion with the Minnesota Vikings. But he had two starting quarterbacks in the league, you know, that he had back-to-back coaching experience with. And as you mentioned, they're really good with their legs. And you're thinking, yeah, I know what this system is. This system, you got to have a quarterback that can really manage with his legs. And they, they did. They brought in a transfer that has no leg management, none. And I think it's a failed experiment. I, that's not to say that Keaton Slovis is a failure because he's a great kid, guys. Like He's the type of kid that you'd want to have marry your daughter. He's the type of kid that you'd love to have as a son. He's, 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 got the, he's got the drive and the desire and the want to, but you know, ever since his freshman year at USC, the spice hasn't been worth it. It's just, it, it just not there. And it, it was a real shock to see Roderick get away from it, and I would be surprised if he ever does it again. I just don't think he'll ever go away from an athletic quarterback again. BYU football radio analyst Hans Olsen is our guest, and I'm staying in Provo. We're in Salt Lake doing the show today, and there's OU fans everywhere where we're at. But I I had to take my opportunity. I got up early this morning, drove over to Lavelle Edwards Stadium, stood outside of it, first time I've seen it, and the pictures are awesome, but seeing it in person just doesn't do it ju- justice. And I, and I know that I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. That stadium is incredible. And I think I was on your show this past summer, and I said this is the trip that OU fans wanted to take because of the stadium, just because of everything about this road trip. What should we expect from BYU fans tomorrow? It doesn't sound like they're LSU fans, like anything like that, or a nice fan base, going to get treated well. What's that look like with with the with, with the fan base out there? I just think that they're. I, I'm. I know I'm biased. I, I just think it's the best fan base in the entire world. You know, they do have this strange, uh, like Christian competitive edge. I don't know if you guys grew up with, with any type of Christian base where, like, oh man, they're a good Christian, but heck, you put them in a in a foot race or a wrestling match, or you know, you you put them in in some type of some type of competition and it's like they take the Christianity hat off and it's, it's, it's nasty. Like it, it means a lot. That's what this fan base is, man. They, they'll take off the Christianity hat to a level and they love good competitive football and they know their football. They're really smart. 
I, I 17 years on air out here. I can't fool them. If I don't do my homework, they call me on it. These guys are really smart. They're edgy, and they expect better than what they've gotten in the last three games, Texas, West Virginia, and Iowa State. So I'm sure they're pretty ticked off, but they're the most kind and loving people that you'll ever find as a community. You know, they'll, they'll give you the shirt off their back, but when it really comes down to it, their days are ruined. Their weeks are ruined. Our church attendance, it, it, it drops to like 22%. It's crazy. A Sunday after a win, and you got 22% attendance. And by the way, I'm one of the 80 plus percent that doesn't show up. Like, it's, you don't go to church because you're like, man, you just don't want to have to answer the crowd and answer the questions. And it means the world to BYU. And that's why, man, I wish Oklahoma was around a little bit longer because I think that BYU's got the football passion that Oklahoma has. And that's one thing I've loved about the Big 12. Like it, it is equal ground love for the game that we all played and all love. And I just think that Oklahoma fans are going to get a taste for how much BYU fans love this game. Regardless of the team looking terrible the last few weeks, they're still going to be out there for that 10 o'clock kick. And I think Oklahoma fans are going to be treated to a pretty incredible night or morning, I guess I should say. Well, I, I know we're looking forward to it, and you never know. There's always non-conference, and uh, you never know. Our AD may really enjoy the trip out here and, and say this is something we need to do a little more often. Down. Um, let me just ask you this quickly, and, and we'll let you get out of here. What are a couple of things that you think need to happen for BYU to have a chance in this thing late in the fourth quarter where we've got a game that hadn't been decided? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness uh okay you're gonna have to be in that 68 to 72 completion percentage you're gonna have to be you're gonna have to complete passes and you're gonna have to do it probably on third longs guys third down conversions for this team let's go look at the numbers i, I don't know how much worse it could really get uh you know it's it's bad and so they're going to have to complete some passes and extend some drives. But the, their passing game is going to have to be on point, in my opinion, because I don't think the run game is really available at this time. You might get some pitch option, and they might try to push the run game. I just, I think Oklahoma can take care of the run game. Number two, going on the defensive side, they have to find safety consistency. Do me a favor, guys. Just watch. First of all, research that safety spot. They're down to their sixth and seventh stringers. They're down to guys that just came off missions and guys that were walk-ons mm. because of so many injuries. And this Jay Hill defense relies on that safety position. All right, so the Jay Hill defense that BYU's playing, it is the Utah defense that Kyle Whittingham kind of built through his dad, Freddie Whittingham. So it's, it's that defense. And if you guys know how many safeties Kyle Whittingham's put in the league, the safety is they, – they are the centerpiece of this defense, and their safeties have been really bad. And against Iowa State, they've been as bad as they've been all year long, just getting left in the dust and in the dirt off a single shift juke that you you typically – you'll see that 100 times as a safety, and they just couldn't get to the legs and couldn't wrap up. They couldn't even touch the running back at times. So the safety's got to be in position. They've got to play better, and you've got to find – 
some some passing yards against this Oklahoma defense. Well, there you go. We're looking forward to it, man. It's going to be fun and uh, anxious to meet you in person. I'll see you up there in the uh, in the press box. Um, I guess our booths are right next to each other. We'll be <laughs> pounding see, on I'll the window. I'll see you guys up there. I'll, I'll see you guys up there, Teddy. I'm a big fan. Tyler, you guys do amazing work, and uh, seriously, a real honor to, to be on with you guys. Thank you. See you, man. I no, appreciate you. Hans Olsen, he's he's great, man. Uh, he is a BYU legend and a Salt Lake radio legend as well. Good Pretty good little combo there. He's, he's awesome. And um, very uh, good information about their safety position. That, yeah. You know what that should mean, right? Yeah, they've got, they've got some walk-ons that have played there, and it's just been, it's been really difficult on them. And that's why I'm saying I, I, I really think we have a huge day. Offensively, defensively, it's just it's been a tough year on them, and I, they just don't have the personnel right now. We'll see how it goes, though. You never know. All right. Late for a break. Let's hit a quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hour number two rolls on next. It's what caught Teddy's eye, brought to you by Yala Gosney Law. Have you heard hiring a lawyer? Makes your insurance claim take even longer. Not at Yala Gosney Law. They work to keep your claim moving forward and fight delay at every turn. That's Yala Gosney Law, 405-800-8080. 405-800-8080. And I know we missed our under-the-radar segment last segment. We'll get that uh, coming up next hour. At uh, 520 Central, 420 Mountain Time. Trying to trying to get that right. You're all screwed up, aren't you? I'm so screwed up. <laughs> uh, story number one is, by the way, if you don't have any, i, I got several. Oh, uh, I don't. Okay. Other than uh, meeting a couple gentlemen back there in the bar that made the trip up from Sweet. one from Phoenix, one from Denver here for the game, listen to us all the time. Just went outside and met uh, Jim from Casper, Wyoming. How about that? Wyoming, huh? Okay. Ref, ref, uh, ref Army members everywhere. Uh, Jameis's number five will be retired tomorrow, Florida State's home game. Now, Jameis has been that. one of the more made fun of <laughs> football players in the past eight years or so, but yeah. he won a Heisman and National Championship. Makes sense. He did. He had a couple of uh, – it was wild whenever he was at Florida State. Now, whenever he kind of came out of nowhere and won the Heisman, and not very many people really knew who he was, it was awesome. And then whenever he was thrust into the spotlight, you know, it was a hard spot for the young man. And he made some mistakes in front of the entire world. And, you know, he he still kind of marches to a different beat. He likes, he likes to eat W's before the game. He's done some really cringeworthy things whenever it comes to uh like his on the field workouts and in his backyard and, and some of that stuff but you know honestly i think the worst we saw from him was someone handing him some crab legs and standing up yeah. and doing something stupid in the student union other yeah. than that he seems like he's compared been compared to some nflers you know yeah, i mean no, and sure. i think he got a really bad rap for some things that were not that big of a OU deal. Was, OU recruited him out of, uh, was it Hueytown, Alabama? Is that right? From? But yeah, they recruited him. Dan Campbell, Lions head coach, big fan of him, was asked if A&M has reached out, and he said, quote, maybe. That's my alma mater. I want to do anything I can to help them, but coach for them. <laughs> it's a call. And he said it in a way more respectable way than that. Right. But A&M had to call Dan Campbell. 
Doesn't sound like he's interested. Sounds like Dan Lanning is out on that job as well. So they're just trying to uh, see, trying to go through. Candidates. I'm telling you, I, if they paid that amount of money to get rid of Jimbo Fisher and didn't already have the replacement basically locked up, it may be the worst thing ever. Yeah. Well, I, it's A&M, so it wouldn't shock me. And other uh, head coaching news, head coaching rumors, uh, there's a uh, there's a guy that works at a Boise radio station, and mm-hmm. he was tweeting out yesterday about, well, if uh, Tom Herman really is a serious candidate up here, uh, Tom Herman at Boise, huh? Wow. How about that fit? Hey, you got to start somewhere. Um, you know, you you, you got to – you got to start start from the bottom, start climbing up, and that traditionally has been a really good job, you know. Yeah. And it feels like maybe that level suits him a little bit better, not the big spotlight yeah. that's on on him and his his quirky personality. Kissing players at that level. Yeah, uh, you know, that's still weird. He but. he did a lot of good things at Houston, and he was the toast of of college football and. You know, you go to Texas, and, and that's just a different animal. So it may be a place like that may be perfect for him. I mean, I, I honestly think he is a good offensive mind. I think he, you know, I think he's got uh, some things that really work, but got to go to the right still place. Still Texas' best bowl win since uh, Mike you, Brown was there. There you go. In the, uh, what, what bowl game he won? The Fiesta Bowl 2008 season. That was it. <laughs> How about Michigan firing its backers coach today, Chris Partridge? Oh, boy. Um Harbaugh's going to be suspended for the last two games. They just fired their backers coach. Ooh. I don't know what all's going on there, but it sounds like it sounds like maybe the sign stealing was the tip of the iceberg, and you know, I don't know. I think whenever some other thing things came out. Michigan uh, backed off of that stance that they had a week or ten days ago pretty quickly um, because there may have been some seriously nefarious things going on there. Oh, yeah. And and it's not seeing what the sign for, um, you know, the power play is. There's some other stuff going on, but we'll see. I don't know. I, I It's all just rumor until someone goes – uh, writes a, a story about it and has some some real info on there. Last one: Oregon State and Washington State are inching closer and closer to agreeing to a two-year football scheduling alliance with the Mountain West. The model would have Mountain West teams playing seven conference games plus one game against Oregon State or Washington State. So, and what they're independent? Other than that, I I, I guess I, we're still packed. I packed each other in the Pac-12 championship game every single year. Sucks for Oregon State because they got a good coach up there. They got a good, good coach. They got they got a damn good team. They're going to beat Washington tomorrow. So, um, just fascinating. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We will wrap up our number two next. Central Oklahoma Buick GMC dealers bringing this hour of the rush. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman, live at Poplar Street Pub here in Salt Lake. Getting you ready for OU BYU 11 a.m. Central tomorrow. The line is. Held steady, man. Opened at 24. It was at 24 and a half. I think it's at, uh, back down to 24 now, but it's stayed pretty true all week. That's a big one, and it's hard to say. Like, I, 
they they they're just BYU's limping to the finish line right now. And yep. Listening to hands there, he under, understands it. Safety has been a huge issue for them. They've got a couple of injuries there that have really set them back. Now their best position on their defense is corner. They have two really good corners. One of them is a, a Thorpe finalist or semifinalist. Um, defensive line not great. They have one defensive end that's that's uh, that's pretty decent, but they just don't have the numbers right now. Uh, I think it's I think it's going to be a big day for us offensively, and on the other side, you know they're they're just so vanilla on offense that. You can't be against this OU defense, no, man. You, I mean, maybe in the past you can still hit on some things, but, yeah, you you, you got to be able to mix it up and do some yep. things down the field. A quarterback that's a legit run threat. Yep. You're, I mean, yes, defense should have a should have you a big day. You know, I'm still, you know, in, in, you know, I asked Hans about it, and you hear, hear him how it, it was a shock that they went with Slovis. I mean, think about the Big 12 right now. And all of the dual-threat quarterbacks that you have, Houston, West Virginia, um, Kansas, Kansas State, Iowa State, kind of. He's capable. They don't ask him to do it a lot. Cincinnati, Dylan Gabriel, definitely. Cincinnati. West, did you say I mean, West Virginia? I said West Virginia. It's, I UCF. mean, TCU. Who doesn't, how about, who doesn't have a dual? Like Alan, Alan Bowman? Oklahoma State. Yeah. I mean, even, a rushing touchdown even Ewers at, at Texas, I mean, I wouldn't call him necessarily a dual threat, but he's more of a threat than I think Slovis is. So it was just, it was strange, man. It's strange that they made that move. Can you think of any former uh, OU players from the state of Utah other than C.J. Allu, who I just realized you played at BYU from 01 to 03? Yeah. He was a good player at OU. He was a really good player. I can't can spend a lot of time anyone else from Utah. Text oh, line will let us know. Not right off. No, but text line will let us know. There's got to be one thrown in there somewhere. I did not realize C.J. Allu played at BYU before he got to OU. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. Yeah. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We've got the final hour next. Stay tuned.